the Shame Pile podcast, where we bring you along on never-ending journeys to conquer our piles of video game shame. Every fortnight, we discuss in depth the one or two games that we have been playing. Normally every fortnight, lately we've been quite late, so I apologise for that. My name is Lee, and I am joined by my co-host, Sean. Hi. Nice. Yeah. Okay, so where are you standing on your shame pile? I have made zero progress and added maybe one or two games. I think I added Inside, which is an indie game. I've been playing some mobile games on the train to and from work and then spending the rest of my life working. We all know mobile games do not count in the pile of shame. They don't count. Wait, really? Absolutely, because... You don't often finish or even aim to finish when you pick up a mobile game. The point of playing a mobile game is to fill time on public transport or while you are bored waiting for something to happen. They're not games for game's sake. What if you're on the toilet? Is that okay? Then you have a problem. Also, that is incredibly unhygienic. (laughs) I'm never touching your phone again. In fact, you should wash your hands after your phone. Go disinfect your phone. I'll think about it. Also, like, sight issue, but that is actually a problem for, like, doctors in hospitals and things. They're finding that bacteria is being carried by their phones because they do that. Well, that makes sense, though, because, like, the doctor... Uh, sorry, like, bacteria just uh, carry on whatever it is you touch, like money. And phones happen to be, like, getting to that point where they're like money and you're constantly touching it. Um, yeah. What, what were we talking about? I... I have not been playing much games. Oh, I did also buy pre-order Mass Effect Andromeda. So I've been playing quite a bit of that, but then I haven't got the chance to really sit down and play it properly for a while now, about like a week or two. Fair. Do you remember when I was talking about how you're part of the problem? Pre-ordering. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I, I've really turned off pre-ordering a bit. Um, or the reason why I pre-ordered Mass Effect is because I get it for a lot cheaper. That I was going to is buy. It. Enticing. I was going to buy it regardless, and so I was able to trade in a couple of games and get a discount and get maybe like I think it was in the end it was like forty dollars off. Okay, I find it hard to argue with extra forty dollars cash. So yeah, that's pretty much why I pre-ordered it. All right, I guess I guess you win without scolding this time. Yeah, how's your shampoo going? Hush now. Quiet. Yeah, well, yeah, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, it's actually not going too badly. I added a game, but I've completed that game. So we are overall neutral. Okay. Neutral. Yeah. Which, you know, could be better, but it's okay. It's alright. Don't look at me with those judgy eyes. I, it's actually better than me, so I can't really judge you that much. Ooh, now I get to wear judgy eyes. Doesn't work on an audio podcast. Yeah, also, just just for FYI, this is the first podcast Lee and I are doing off the same microphone, so we are actually quite physically close to each other and can see each other's expressions. And Sean has an expression of regret. Yes, that is the correct expression. (laughs) Alright, so tell me about one of your games. So I'm going to talk about Ratchet & Clank, not Mass Effect Andromeda. 
I do want to hear your opinion on Mass Effect Andromeda, but next time, maybe. Yeah. Well, the reason why I talk about Ratchet and Clank is because I thought I was actually really close to finishing it, but I was not. I'm still going. I played many hours over the last maybe two or three days, and by many hours, one or two hours. I thought that You're was so en- sad. I thought that was enough to finish it, but I was wrong. I think I am pretty close. How many hours have you played? I'm actually not sure because, like, I can see it in the PS4 save files, but I can't. I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Um, so Ratchet and Clank is a reboot, not a remade game. So Ratchet and Clank, from I, I, I've never had a PlayStation before the current PS4 that we have. Um, I know Ratchet and Clank was on the PlayStation 2, I think, as an original game then. Like, a, it's a, basically a platformer, a 3D platformer. Um, and so the new latest Ratchet and Clank game, which also came with a movie that was out in the cinemas for a while. Yeah, I'm not kidding. Really? I'm pretty sure it was. I missed that. Yeah, well, the reason why you missed it, and of course I mostly missed it, is Ratchet and Clank is a kid's game. Very emphatically a kid's game. You can tell it's been designed for kids. The themes are for kids. It's kind of a fun space hero action platform adventure. It's not overly challenging as far as gameplay goes. Actually, it is a little bit at times. These kids' games. Are you just bad at this game? Uh, I might be. No, I don't think I'm that bad. Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) you play... You play Ratchet and Clank, so Ratchet... Oh, God, what is the difference between them? No, definitely, I know this. Ra- Ratchet is an alien furry... Don't pause on that statement! <laughs> a- a- Ratchet is some alien furry creature. He has two big ears and he is yellow. He kind of has, like, tiger stripes, sort of. Um, he looks maybe like a bit of a Crash Bandicoot thing going on. It looks kind of like if you crossed a fennec fox with like a dog i think yeah something like that and clank is a um he is a i know he's a robot i'm trying to think the right <laughs> word for it he is a robot that has not been made correctly he's going to be part of a giant series of warbots instead he is tiny and ineffective in most ways nice so that is, now I think of it, that is very Banjo-Kazooie. It is, yeah. So, it is very Banjo-Kazooie. It's very, I guess, uh, I don't know, when I think back to the games I was playing when I was younger, Mario 64-ish. It's very, um, what else? Jet Force Gemini, which is a bit more obscure, but that's kind of what it is. It's very, it is also a little bit Crash Bandicoot-y. Less, like, speed running, more open-world 3D platforming. Um, so the way it works is that you play, you're mostly Ratchet, um, as he is a more interesting character. As you jump around trying to save the universe, you collect and upgrade and buy guns. Um, and you also unlock additional sort of items which help you move around the world. Like you eventually get a jetpack, you eventually get a sort of glider, gliding tools, you get something that allows you to grind across rails and another thing that move, or a couple of devices as well that make you or allow you to suck water in or put water out into things or open doors and lots of different th- like devices and weapons to help you move around the world. Um, 
And so what ends up happening is you're part, you basically join a Galactic Rangers as you try and prevent this evil corporation boss from destroying planets. So the big question with kids' games is, are they fun to play when you, I guess, maybe are older and might require more things from a game than someone who's like eight? I have no issue with it, to be honest. I, I really enjoy 3D platformers, full stop. Um, not just from a nostalgic point of view, I think I just enjoy a lot of a lot of the tropes they tend to include, such as collectibles, unlocks, um, upgrading yourself in certain ways, or being able to access secrets and areas. I really enjoy those aspects of 3D platformers, and because most of them include that, I enjoy the 3D platformers. Like, I really enjoyed um, Psychonauts, for example. Yeah. And one of the other things I like about them is that they look quite... I, I enjoy the... Sorry, I enjoy the cartoonish ones. They look quite pretty. Yeah, it's They're nice quite to be fun. not gritty. <laughs> yeah, it's like... I remember if, like uh, playing Gears of War. Everything was grey-brown. You shoot things that are grey-brown. You are grey-brown. The, the terrain is grey-brown. It, it was a painful game to play. On a, like I was playing on a small TV and I couldn't figure anything out. Yeah, yeah. It, it is nice to sometimes take a break from playing your sort of, like, maybe serious RPG with intense plot and storylines and well-crafted characters to be like, man, this is just fun. Yeah, and I, and but even saying that, I wouldn't say the characters aren't well-crafted. In fact, the characters are probably more robust than a lot of other games because they're not trying to be complex. Like, you are a sort of happy-go-lucky but somewhat naive hero. That's very clear. The The leader of the Galactic Rangers is very pompous and very um, and puts on a good show but probably can't back it up. And you've also got, like, sort of the perky and, you know, the perky sidekicks, the serious sidekicks. Your sidekick, uh, Clank, is very is very serious and calculated, like C-3P- C-3PO style. Um, so I think... Because the characters aren't overcomplicated, it tends to work almost better in some respects. And you're not questioning what... You don't, you don't get to the point where you're questioning, why did they do that? That makes no sense to that character. Because that gets to that point. The characters have very simple character development or structures, therefore they, it's really hard to deviate from that. Yeah, I can understand that. They're clear characters with clear goals, so and there's not that... Uh, you can sometimes get with sort of like an artificial depth or artificial character development where it just feels really false. And you can tell they're artificial as well because they tend... Cause they, then they tend to just do random things that don't fit the character. And you can tell that someone's like separately designed, okay, here is what this personality is like. Here is what, and then someone else has gone. Okay, here's what the character is going to do to help drive the story or the action. And someone else might have gone. Oh, here is something that the um, here is how the character will talk to the main character. And so, you, like, you can tell these characters haven't been fleshed out properly, or there's been a sort of disconnect between how they affect the game and what they act for their personality. Yeah. So, just. To bring this back to Ratchet and Clank, yeah. it is a reboot, not like a remake it's or a not, sequel. Yeah, it's not a remastered game. It's a it's a reboot and it's a prequel. I'd say it's 
It's like how, when, how you first started, how you first joined the Galactic Rangers. So my question was going to be, does it matter that you haven't played the original? Do you think there's a lot of references going on? Do you need that nostalgia to carry you through? Um, no, you don't need it, but I can definitely see the points where nostalgia kicks in. Like, I, like you walk into a room to meet some random creature, alien, and it's a character that you know is definitely in the later games. But I, I have no idea who they are. And I think what happens as a result is that the sort of introduction you get to those characters is very um, on the surface and high level, which means that there's probably a lot of other background stuff to do with that character you know from playing the other games that I'm not aware of. Well, I was just thinking, because it is aimed, like, while enjoyable for us, it's also very much aimed at a younger audience who almost definitely haven't played the original. So That's true. Yeah, um, I doubt they would have played the original. Yeah. And it still works just fine. Yeah. I, um... As far as... Yeah, it still works fine, that part of it. As far as playing the game goes, like I said, I really enjoy 3D platformers. I enjoy using the different tools and different weapons. Um, it's quite fun. The shooting mechanics is kind of... It has like the... You know, what, what's it called? The aim aid? Or, you know, oh, auto-target. Auto has a bit of auto-targeting, like not too over the top, but it sort of works well because it's not very good and easy to target third person on a joystick. Um... I think probably the parts that, are, that I find the most irritating are the flying around in a ship, just because it's not very the ship controls aren't very responsive. But those sort of left they're, they're set they're set piece levels, so they're they're kind of set apart from the rest of it at least. Okay, so ten out of ten would recommend or I would recommend. I also got it quite cheap. It is a cheap game, so I recommend it because of that. It's quite a fun play, entertaining. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Sounds alright. So, I say, pretending that I haven't sunk any of my own hours into it and really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. Um. I also just got ukulele today from the Kickstarter, or whatever they, another Kickstarting kind of thing, not actually Kickstarter. Ukulele being made by the same people who did Banjo-Kazooie. And is it along the same lines? It absolutely is. It looks like I think you play a gecko or something. I don't know. I don't really know much about it. I just like, yeah, I love Banjo-Kazooie. I'm going to but, uh, spend my 15 pounds or whatever it was to play that later on in my life. And is that out on PC? Uh, I've got a PS4 key, and I know it's on Steam as well. I think Xbox One. Okay, so it's been released for the wider audience. Does it seem uh, well-developed? Like, is it sort of like many indie games might be limited in terms of what they can achieve so something might be it might be a short game or maybe they haven't spent as much time on the graphics as they did the story or the gameplay i have no idea i'll tell you what i'll play it and maybe talk about it on the podcast okay yeah all right then so what uh what game have you been playing so i have been playing stories untold on the pc which I should have been working on my shame pile, but I saw this game and it looked amazing. So I bought it and I played it and I have no regrets. Is that that one, the Morse code? Not the Morse code one that you're doing. It did have Morse code or like weird Briefly, yeah. old 1970s technology? 
eighties. Eighties was it's it? It's set in the eighties. I did. I did see you playing it. I was very yeah curious. Okay, so I'm going to talk a little bit about the development of the game because it's actually kind of interesting. So this game came out. Uh, Stories Untold came out in about February this year, but and it is an anthology, so it contains four small games or stories within it. Uh, the first of which is called The House Abandon, and The House Abandon was actually released six months ago. So, if you've played it and you haven't picked up Stories Untold, then you should still do it because there are three more stories in that style. But what happened was the studio founders, so uh, the studio that's called No Code, are actually people who worked on Alien Isolation, which is brilliant. And you can actually really see that sort of influence in this game because if you haven't played Alien Isolation, it's really entertaining in the way that they have kept... It's futuristic, but with outdated technology. So you're in space, but you still have tapes. So, and it's really sort of delightful in that way, because it's keeping sort of in the theme and technology of the original movies. So, and The House Abandon is similar in that we're looking at a lot of technology from the 80s and sort of hitting that nostalgia while looking at sci-fi concepts. So it's really enjoyable. And so you can sort of see that influence carried through. I always think of um, Red Dwarf when I think of like sci-fi but with a really old school technology. Sort of, but think of it as doing it because you enjoy the old school technology and you want that nostalgia rather than... We had like five dollars to spend on our budget. <laughs> they made a joke about it in a, like one of the episodes later. They're like, "Ah, oh, the reason why people now use videotapes because they've had DVDs. They realized they kept losing the DVDs, and then they moved back to cassette tapes." That's terrible. Yeah, I know it was terrible. Yeah, so it's more just um, so for Alien, it's trying to keep within the world that was created. Uh, when the original Alien came out. So it was futuristic, but retained some of the technology of the era. So in this one, it's more of like an enjoying and hitting that nostalgia of the 80s. And then six... So the House Abandoned was created over a weekend as part of a sort of... It's like a game jam thing where developers are kind of... It's basically a competition where you try and make games over a limited time so and that was really really good it was amazing for you know a weekend and people really loved it it sort of exploded so they spent six months and working with the publisher devolver digital to create stories untold which has three more stories alongside the house abandoned and altogether, this is pretty intimidating for something that they threw together in a weekend in six months because it is good quality and highly, highly entertaining and well thought out and just like really enjoyable. So when you look at sort of indie games thrown together in a short amount of time and then you have a look at this, you can really see what can be achieved. 
Well, I think you look at some like AAA games to see what can be thrown them out, thrown together in a long, oh, sorry, a extended period of time, and they're not always that good either. Yeah. yeah. So now I'll talk a bit more about what it's actually about. So, like I said, it is very eighties. It celebrates eighties technology and eighties styles of stories. Much in a similar way to Stranger Things did, in yeah, which it was right. celebrating that sort of Stephen King uh, and Steven Spielberg, all the Stevens, sort yeah. of uh, 80s themes. And in this way, and this is really sort of following in that vein. And it is fairly experimental in the gameplay and in a nostalgic way, so not everyone will enjoy it. It won't be everyone's cup of tea. So the first game, The House Abandon, is styled after a text adventure in that you're sitting at a computer and you have to basically type in what you want your character to do. Like, pick up this thing, open the glove box, go to their backyard. So there's quite a bit of nostalgia there for people who were involved in earlier games and there's a bit like of... you mean like early dos games it's like move over to i don't know what that is it, three pixels move over to paper no, no there's no graphics oh as it is purely text adventure purely text. there is no paper here no, no no like move over to uh i don't know what that thing is move over to pencil yes it is pencil oh thank god yeah so you'll be like look at thing and it will describe what's there yeah. and so then you'll be like pick that up and this what is really good about this is the storytelling. So you get that nostalgia, and they made sure that it didn't... It's not difficult. You're not sitting there being really frustrated that you can't figure out what the command is, because it's a fairly simple adventure. But the story is really involving. It's a horror story for this first one, and... Yeah, it really sort of draws you in and you're fascinated by what's going on and you want an explanation. The next game, which is The Lab Process, is it sets you up as a lab tech or a lab assistant. So again, you're sort of confined to, whereas last time you're confined to a desk working at, with a computer, in this case you're confined to a desk and you're working with various lab equipment and you receive instructions that you have to follow by turning on and tuning this various lab equipment and recording what happens. And this is where we start getting into that very sort of 80s. This actually reminded me a little bit of, I guess maybe The Thing in a way, and some of that uh, that sort of horror sci-fi sort of storylines, and I really enjoyed it. So, And this was, again, really strong storyline, we get a bit more of puzzle gameplay here, still like not terribly difficult. And again, like the strength of is in the storyline, and you still get that, you know, eighties nostalgia. And then third one, we have the station process. Yep, that's what it's called, where you are centered in an isolated. Uh, sort of research station, one of several dotted around the landscape where I think you are in Greenland. 
and you're receiving incoming communications that you and signals that you need to decode and then send on. That's the one, that's I, that's the one, the one I saw you playing, yeah. This one has the stronger sort of puzzle element in it. And I really like... This, again, has quite a strong storyline. I really like that these stories, they're not always telling you everything that's going on. It's sort of you need to interpret what's been going on. So you are, like, by decoding these signals, you have an idea of what's going on in the whole world around you. You don't know exactly what's happening, but you're like, wow, big and terrible things are going on and I am involved. And it's hmm. really quite entertaining. Last one, which is the final session, is actually the weakest of the four. It's still beautifully done, and this is the one that serves to link together all four stories. And it actually, it does a really good job at that, and the links it draws between the stories are fine. Like, are actually really strong, and the method it uses to tell its story is still really strong. But the story itself that links everything together is particularly weak and it's a bit disappointing when you get to the end. So it might just be because this is very much centered around sort of people who grew up during the 80s and I came a bit later. So maybe this sort of story really resonates with people who were teens and young adults in the 80s. But it does feel a little, just a little cliche and a little bit, uh, so the characters don't quite act believably. Which, but yet it still does a really good job of bringing all of these three disparate sort of science fiction horror stories together. So I can't bring myself to completely dismiss it. So this isn't a long game. This isn't a particularly action-filled game. It's not the hardest of puzzle games. But I really love the stories. It's These are really, for most of it, well-crafted short stories. And yeah, even if you don't, say, enjoy the 80s nostalgia as much as I kind of did, if you like tightly plotted short stories, if you like science fiction short stories, it's really well done. Yeah, fair enough. That was <laughs> very passionate. <laughs> I really... Strong storytelling is one of the things I love in games, and I'm more yeah, than absolutely. happy to maybe sacrifice a few gameplay elements in order to get a strong story. And... You know, I actually like I actually enjoyed the mild puzzle building and text adventure stuff, but I can see where some people would not find it as interesting. I guess maybe to your point, the fact that you do like strong stories, and I think that I can probably link that back to what I was saying earlier about the characters in Ratchet and Clank. As in you sac in those sense you sacrifice a depth of character to have a well constructed and consistent character. Whereas I think from what you're saying, you're happy to sacrifice a complex level of gameplay in order to have a well-constructed story and the gameplay that is there to be more robust. Yeah, that is very true for me. I mean, 
possibly that wouldn't hold out if it was a much longer game, but because this is like short gameplay experiences, I think I spent like maybe 40 minutes on each episode. Um, oh, and I guess that's what I felt about Titanfall 2 as well. That was a very short campaign story, but because it was shorter, it ended up being better than most. Yeah, so I particularly love... I'm quite fond of short stories as a genre, and particularly for horror and sci-fi, I think short stories are a very strong format. And this is sort Agreed. of utilising that format in game form. And it's really, really strong. And I think I'm really excited to see what else these guys can do because they have some really strong storytelling abilities. I also like that this is the kind of storytelling where it respects the player in that it's not going to spell everything out for you. It doesn't think you need that. It assumes that you are intelligent enough to put everything together on your own. So it's not going to pile on a whole ton of exposition for you. It's just going to give you the experience and assume that you can put together the story. Cool. I appreciate that. Yeah. I um, So as far as technology goes, so it, it, it is a sci-fi, but it's using the old school technology. Yeah, so it's set within the 80s. So using the technology of that area. So it's radios and old computers and it's old sort of lab equipment that you're tuning with knobs and dials. Yeah, and... yeah, I know what you mean. Like thinking back to like movies and TV from that era, from, from that, era that was sci-fi, there seemed to be like very two distinct things that were lacking, which even like compared to modern times, one was the internet and two is mobile phones. And so with one, people like in the 80s sci-fi, people don't have access to the universal wealth of knowledge of the internet. And the second point being around mobile phones is that people don't people don't know where can't find out where each other are at all times. They can't easily communicate. Yeah. Well, and that's important because in a lot of those movies having a walkie-talkie was a big deal. You get a walkie-talkie, suddenly it's okay, but then it goes all crackly, there's no answer. I mean, you can't just try and dial them and be like, sorry, the person you're calling is, has had their phone destroyed. Ah, they're obviously dead. <laughs> yeah, it's also, um, like, this is a really common issue in sci-fi that goes back for as long as science fiction has existed. Like, you'll find from, was it like the science fiction from, I think, the 1800s? where they'll talk about the future, but think people will still be using the quill. Like, they won't have developed, you know, typewriting and things, or even compute. you know, forget about computers, but even just the ability to communicate faster than sort of painstakingly writing things out with the quill. Yeah. It's, it's always limited in that way. And just because technology is developing so quickly nowadays, we actually are able to, like, really easily go back to, you know, 20 years ago or 30 years ago and be like, hey, I remember that depiction of the future with all of that old-fashioned technology. Yeah, and I think that's also, like, one of the appeals in steampunk as well. It's like, it's actually old-school technology, 
but a fut- but like future, but it's as if the future had been devised based on the current technology. Yeah. yeah, it's very similar to that, and so that's a lot of the joy as well you get in playing Alien Isolation. I mean, a lot of the joy is because it is a very good, very tense game, but some of the joy is just being like, hey, look at me playing tapes and things <laughs> while in space. Yeah, it's kind of delightful. Yeah. Um, yep, that, that's about time. Do you have anything else to add? No, I don't. No, like, I think <laughs> that's I'm, all I've got. Yeah, I, I was lucky before we even talk about Ratchet and Clank. I've been playing so little games. I could talk about phone games, but maybe I might save that for another time. Yep, you live the sad life of an adult with a job. Should have stayed a student like me. No, absolutely not. Yeah, that's fair. Money, money is nice. Yeah. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thank you.